welcome to our sixth edition of Bocardi Talks. Uh, we have uh, two, not one, but two uh, great speakers today. We also do something a little bit different uh, and hand it off to our Bacardi Center of Excellence coordinator as well as our activation coordinator, uh, Ava. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, but good afternoon, all. I'm Brian Connor, I'm the director of the Bacardi Center of Excellence. Uh, welcome all. Time joining us. Uh, FIU and Bacardi have had about a year and a half partnership with an educational platform. Here we have a spirits management track. We have an online platform called Bacardi Teach. Uh, we have the award winning Bartenders Guild. And as I like to say, anytime I have the opportunity to, we are just getting started. Uh, so without further ado, a couple of housekeeping things. We are live and recording. Uh, this will live on on other platforms. Uh, and if anyone has questions along the way, we will be utilizing the chat function, and we're going to do our best uh, to uh, try to get the individual's questions. But uh, we know we have uh, some great questions coming from our students here as well. But without further ado, let me throw it over to our fabulous uh, Dean Michael Chang. Dr. Chang, how are you, sir? Wonderful. Thank you, Professor Connors. It's a pleasure to be here today. And I also want to thank our fantastic guests uh, from Ireland and Scotland. It's the first time we've ever anything like this across the ocean. There you go. Very impressive, Professor Connors. Yeah. It's a great day, and uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy this. And like, like uh, Professor Connors said, it will be recorded. And so if you want to go back and catch it later, you can too. Thank you so much uh, to our guests today. Appreciate you guys making time. Perfect, perfect. Live from the UK, not Ireland. That's good. Close enough. All right. uh, so without further ado, let's go to our speaker view here, Matson, uh, and we'll bring up our two illustrious guests. Uh, we have Dr. Ann Brock, uh, the master distiller from Bombay Sapphire, as well as Stephanie McClure from Doers, and she's a master blender. Now, I know we have some questions coming up with that as well, but ladies, welcome. Thank you, and thank you again for joining us a little late in the evening over across the pond. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. Um, it's six o'clock here, just gone past six o'clock in the evening, um, and it's already dark in Scotland. Probably the same in down there in um, Labrador. See the windows talking. behind me. Uh, yeah. showing the nice dark yeah. dark night out. So it's the appropriate cocktail hour for you both, then, <laughs> which is great on that one. Uh, but let's start it out here. You know, you both have an amazing story. Uh, I know you're going to kind of been prompt to share a little bit, but uh, let's throw it up to uh, Anne first, and let's hear about your story and your journey and how you got to uh, our friends at Bombay. Sure. Um, just. I want to say um, it's lovely to be here, lovely to be speaking with you all. Um, my story is um, probably not the most traditional route into um, being a master distiller, um, but it's certainly um, a story I'm actually quite proud of. Um, when I was younger, the thought of being a distiller didn't really cross my mind. I don't think it crosses the, the mind of too many children. Um, I certainly um, had big, ambitious plans, but I wanted to be a doctor. Ever since I can remember, I wanted to be a doctor, desperately wanted to be a doctor, go to med school. And um, I was really looking to be a plastic surgeon, actually, and work with Médecins Sans Frontières. So the sort of plastic surgery that would be dealing with burns in war zones and that, that kind of plastic surgery rather than cosmetic. Um, I worked very hard at school and uh, at science and 
got a place at med school, which was was really exciting, and went to med school. And after seven months, um, phoned my parents up, told them I'd quit and become a bartender. So they were obviously horrified. Um, they thought it was um, just terrible. This straight A student had suddenly decided she was dropping everything and becoming a bartender. I think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. I spent three and a half years um, working in various bars around the UK. And in between my sort of contracts working in bars and hotels, I would go backpacking and see the world and start to explore the world a bit. And really, for me, that's when I grew up a lot. You know, I'd come from this very sheltered background. I'd always have this clear pathway of getting my A's and, and going to med school. And so it was a real shake up and a, a real chance for me to explore the world outside academia. Having said that, I did go back to university um, and I decided this time to study a subject I enjoyed rather than go for a vocation. And so I studied chemistry, which was always my favourite subject. Um, after the after doing my undergrad in chemistry, um, I really couldn't think what else I wanted to do. I was really struggling with careers and I'd really enjoyed being in the lab. So I really enjoyed that practical aspect to my day-to-day role. And so I I decided um, to continue on to further education and I got a PhD in organic chemistry. Um, which was amazing. But I knew that I didn't want to stay in academia. Um, I was really enjoying what I was doing in the lab, but I didn't want to continue in the sort of academic world of research. So I was looking around for something to do. And and when you've got a science degree, you know, you could go into investment banking, you can go into management consultancy, you can go into the big world of pharma. None of this appealed to me. And it was actually a friend of mine who, who mentioned that the only other chemist he'd met was a distiller and it was like this light bulb went off um, you know it brought the two two sides of my um, my my life to date together the science and the bartender and um, so I started to look around at opportunities and I was very very lucky in the fact that the craft distilling world was really just starting to boom when I was when I was looking and particularly in London which is where I just moved to and so I had this incredible opportunity to work with someone to essentially build a craft distillery in central London. Um, This gentleman I worked with had a a gym brand. He was working with a contract distiller and he wanted to create a home for his brand and and to make the gin himself. So he put me in charge of that, which I think when you are put in charge of a project like that, when you know nothing, you learn a lot very quickly. Um, And I spent my years once I'd taken over production and was managing the distillery for him, giving back to craft distillers who were coming into the industry by teaching them what not to do as well as what to do um, through through various uh, workshops and events. And then one, one cold November day, I got a message saying that Bacardi was looking for Um, a master distiller for Bombay and would I be interested in in interviewing for the role and it's the kind of role that when it comes comes to you it's almost it's almost a bit of a shock and you start to think well this can't be real so I I started to go through the interview process really just to see how far I'd get Um, and the more I learned about the role and the more I met the people within Bacardi I desperately desperately wanted the role which was great so when I got it, it was super exciting. And um, I moved out to Hampshire, which is about an hour outside London, um, to the distillery, the home of Bombay, in September 2017. And I've been leading the team of distillers here since then, making Bombay Sapphire. Good, but thank you very much. And again, thank you. We appreciate that. That's a great story. And now, Stephanie, it's your turn. What's your story? 
Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I've never been a bartender in my life. Um, I think I'd be pretty dreadful at it. I think people would get completely the wrong drinks. So thankfully, um, Glasgow was saved from my bartending skills. But I started off, I did a, a food science degree at the University of Strathclyde. And, and my aim was to, to solve world hunger um, by creating a, a special gene that would prevent crops from failing. At least that's what I thought. Um, but then my final year thesis was on um, a, quite a, a natty title, um, Quantitative Structure Activity Relationships of um, phenolic compounds uh, using partial least squares regression analysis. Now, I couldn't really tell you a thing about it now, but what it was looking at was the kind of lock and key between the structure of a compound and how it's perceived by your olfactory lobe. And that was really when I became interested in chemical compounds and how they're perceived. And, and the, the, the department that I was in was very interested in whiskey research and they were actually um, funded partly by Shivas Brothers, known for Shivas Regal. So I hadn't really thought too much of it. I graduated. I then started to work for the, the soft drinks industry and I quite liked it. It was okay. Um, but then my, my old supervisor from Strathclyde Uni phoned me up one day and said, we're looking for a research assistant, you know, looking at whiskey and, and other foods. Would you like to join us? And I thought, yes. You know, I was getting a bit sick fed up of I don't know, Iron Brew has now become quite famous during COP26, but that's who I was working for. And, um, you know, it was fine, but I thought, yeah, working with whiskey would be quite good. But having said that, I didn't know that I liked whiskey. Um, it didn't seem relevant to me in any way. Um, as I saw it, it was something that my dad would drink or my uncle would drink. But none of my friends drank it and it just didn't seem relevant to me at the time. But then I started to work with whiskey and just all of a sudden, you know, I realized that whiskey came off the still as this clear product. We put it into casks and during that maturation process, something miraculous happened. And I thought, this is what I want to do because you know, there was just so many facets to it that I really did feel it was something that I could get involved in and, and explore all the aspects of it. So for four years, I worked really as an academic, um, you know, giving lectures when I absolutely had to, to students um, who would touch every time I, I moved the slides on. Um, and, you know, attending scientific conferences all over the world, um, talking about whiskey, learning about other foods and other beverages. So it was a really exciting time for me. But at the end of four years, I decided I wanted to work for the, the whiskey industry properly. 
And that's when a role at uh, Dewar's came up. And at that stage, unbeknownst to me, um, Bacardi were negotiating to, to take on the Dewar's brand and to take on four more distilleries. So in between having my interview and starting at Dewar's, um, Bacardi had acquired the Dewar's brand from United Distillers and Vintners. So, you know, reading it in the newspapers, I thought, hmm, I wonder if I've still got a job to actually go to. <laughs> Luckily, I did. And um, I started off basically as um, the, the quality technologist looking after um, the liquid side, but also the packaging side. So I was involved in everything, every aspect of, of whiskey making. Um, and then oh, about less than a year later, I was put in charge of the, the lab. And then a few years after that, maybe three years after that, um, my then boss said to me, would you be interested in, in perhaps training to be the master blender? Because the current master blender was planning to retire. And it took me about a nanosecond to say, absolutely, yes, I would love it. But to my, to my shame, actually, the first thought that came into my mind was, hmm, there aren't many female blenders I wonder how that will be received and it was you know when I think about it now I think I can't believe that I thought that way um but that was in 2003 2004 and and there really there weren't many women in the whiskey industry and and even today there aren't that many women but there's more than there were then and, and it's actually still a question that I get asked is, what's it like being a woman in the whiskey industry? And the answer that I would love to give is, well, I've never been a man in the whiskey industry, so I can't <laughs> compare. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so I've really spent my life um, showing people that, that women can be in the whiskey industry and have uh, an interesting and fulfilling career in the whiskey industry and also trying to bring other women into my team and you know I'm very proud to say that it is mostly women in my team um, we've got one guy who who definitely holds his own against all of us girls and um, you know but it's, it is all about balance. I don't want it to just be about, you know, it's all got to be women. All the women that are in my team are there because they were the best candidates for the role. So I don't also don't advocate that we, you know, that we have women for the sake of having women. You know, everyone that's there is there because they're good. So that that's basically, um, you know, my my story so far. Um, I, I took over the blender uh, role in uh, 2006, and and that's what I've been doing ever since. Fantastic! Now that's that's a good opener there. So uh, before we throw it over to uh, Christina and Ava, by far you have both of you have the best accents we've ever had on Bacardi Talks yet. 
it, it's just, you can just listen to it all day. I was like, this is fantastic. But we also want to do a couple quick shout outs uh, to some of our industry partners uh, that are also joining us. So I'm seeing these great comments. Uh, Deborah from the Women of the Vine and Spirits has some wonderful things to say. Our good friend and colleague, Jamie's up there. I saw Colleen's name up there too from Whistlepig. Uh, so we have some wonderful, wonderful guests as well as our FIU community joining us today. Uh, so without further ado, let me throw it over to you ladies with some good questions. So Christina, Ava, all yours. First of all, I just want to thank you so much for being here. I think it's really important for our students to kind of see these female industry leaders, especially in the beverage space, in action. So my name is Ava, and I want to turn it over to my awesome co-host, Christina. Hello, ladies. How are you? So it's great. Um, Stephanie, you, you touched base on a little bit of what I was going to go into, so thank you for that. Um, Stephanie, in 2019, you made history by becoming the first woman to be awarded Master Blender of the Year. Um, in the international whiskey competition. Congratulations. And Anne, you were recently recognized in the 2021 Icons of Gin Awards as the Master Distiller of the Year. So clearly you are all setting the pace uh, for other who do plan on venturing in distillation and anything that has to do with this. Beautiful, thank you so much. Um, I could only imagine that when you were both given the position of Master Blender and Distiller, a lot of people were surprised uh, to find out what it is you do, uh, mainly because of what Stephanie mentioned, the general preconception or perception back then that Master Blender was really a role for a man. Um, have either of you noticed uh, if this is still the case, do you still get that shock factor, Stephanie and Anne, when you continue to mention what you're doing, even though these awards are you know, publicized and everything is published now, um, because I'm curious. And what are your views on the spirits industry for women uh, going into this new 2022 year and in the near future? You did touch on that, Stephanie, but I kind of wanted to listen in on some of Anne as well. So Anne, can you also, can you start with this? Yeah, of course, no problem. Um, so, you know, I, I, I completely agree with you that there's a preconception that, that you know, women certainly um, aren't Aren't necessarily, it's not necessarily assumed that a woman would be a distiller or a, or, or a blender. I mean, certainly when I started in my craft distillery, I used to get asked if I was the only female gin distiller that existed, which is absolutely clearly not the case, never was the case. There's been some very famous, um, very well-regarded female uh, master distillers of, of, of internationally renowned gins. But um I think it comes down to this, this, this idea that, you know, it, it's a preconception. People don't necessarily see or hear from the master distillers or master blenders of the brands, although that is now starting to change. And certainly the ones they hear are from history or that they see are men. So the more that women stand up, the more that that preconception will be um you know, will we'll, we'll be struck down. But I think that um, I have seen a change in the fact that I don't get complete abject surprise when I say what I do, but it does really depend on the forum I'm in. So if I'm in a, at an industry event, um, when I first started going to events um, back when I joined um, at the beginning of the, uh, you know, beginning of my career, and most people assumed I would work um, on the marketing and they couldn't believe that I was in operations, even, you know, even to be in operations was was quite unusual. Um, I have recently, and at an on-site meeting here at the distillery, somebody asked whether I was a tour guide in the visitor centre. So there are still those those moments when people just 
don't see you as a, as a female leader in operations. But I do also see that, you know, certainly as a company like Bacardi, it's really not unusual to have a woman leader in operations. And certainly I feel very comfortable and confident in my role and very well supported as well, which I think is great. And the more that companies do that, the less unusual it will be and the, few, the fewer, hopefully, the fewer odd reactions that we'll get from people. I, I still get asked, so do you do you like whiskey really <laughs> do, you, do you really do you, do you drink it at home and and I said well yeah <laughs> um so there 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 is you still get raised eyebrows and and people assume that I'm in PR uh, for the whiskey company that I'm in the marketing team um and you say no 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 I actually I actually make the whiskey um and the master blender and they're and you know but it's a nice surprise it's not you know I think in in the past um you know it it was a bit of a novelty um and it I think people thought it would blow over um (laughs) companies would come to their senses um but but no um you know and it's really you know the whiskey industry in Scotland is probably one of the biggest employers actually and and you know more women are in the workplace now than there ever was before and so it makes sense in Scotland that there are more women um working in the in the whiskey industry because you know it provides great employment because there's there's all sorts of jobs there's there's work for scientists engineers um lawyers you know, clinicians, you know, health and safety experts. There, there really isn't a, a university course that that can't be used in the whiskey industry, in some form. Um, so, you know, and and we do we want women to come in, and you know we've we've got a grad scheme now at at the UKOC, uh, UK Operations Centre. And um, most of our graduates are actually women, um, and you know they are re- they're doing so well. You know we've got we've got great graduates in general, but you know it, it's just great to see that we've managed to attract so many women into the whiskey industry, and that really you know because I when I was at at university I never considered for a second. Um, a, a career in the whiskey industry it just did not cross my mind um, so we really are making great strides in in getting women aware that the whiskey industry is there for them as a career option that was brilliant thank you for that we do have a few students here that are definitely taking notes so thank you guys all right uh, so the second part was the sorry for the loaded question was what are your views on the spirits industry for women going into this new 2022 year and in the new, near future? And you, I feel like you did cover a lot of it. Um, I was just curious to know if you see more women developing their own spirits, um, maybe even opening their own distilleries, not just being in that role of master blender or master distiller, but just. Yeah, I've, I've had a number of people actually contacting me through Instagram or LinkedIn saying, you know, I I'm looking to start my own brand, um, or I'm looking to start my own distillery. And these are are young women, and 
I, you know, at that age, I just would not even have thought about doing that. So I'm just absolutely full of admiration. And, and I really do see this as a really exciting time um, for women coming into the whiskey industry, not just joining the big companies, but also just starting their own brands. And it really, it, it really is quite incredible. And, you know, I see Deborah Brenner is on the, the call as well from Women of the Wine and Spirits. And, you know, she um, has these amazing conferences every year where um, women in the wine industry and the spirits industry come together and just talk about all things wine and, and spirits. Um, and, and that really is a really energizing um, couple of days. Um, we're just meeting like-minded people and and it would be a great venue as well for for women you know looking to start up their own brand so I, I think that really is um it, it is going to be an exciting future I think for women in in the industry yeah I completely agree I think um you know talking about the fact that you're, you're noticing more and more women setting up their own brands or opening their own distilleries I think it's one of the beauties of this sort of huge sort of recognition in the spirits industry as a whole and interest in spirits provenance and where your spirits come from and how spirits are made you know consumers are really fascinated with it and you've seen this drive in the sort of growth of smaller brands and a lot of those are being led by women I know a lot of women who own their own gin distilleries or have their own gin brands and it's 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 awesome to see because um I think that the more women that stand up the more women that are seen then the, the less unusual it's perceived and also it's the more comfortable younger women feel getting into the industry um, which I think is important but I think we see it on on almost two sides of the industry as well so going back to my bartender roots we're starting to see you know a much more emphasis on women bartenders and supporting great women in bartending as well so for, for example the the new head of the American bar at the Savoy in London is a woman for the first time since Ava Gardner back in 19 whenever it was that she was the 1919 1920s so I think um I think there's a real um recognition across the board in terms of visible women in in leadership's roles within the industry so, Stephanie, as you mentioned, Doers actually has a grad program uh, for students, and most of the graduates are female, which is awesome. And Anne, your PhD in organic chemistry kind of gives you a unique perspective in the industry. So I want to ask, what do you think the importance of higher education is for what you do? Um, I wouldn't be doing the job I'm doing now without it. I, I really wouldn't. I think... Um, for me, it wasn't just the undergrad degree either. It was the postgrad. It was... When you're running a, a distillery, it's a very practical, um, practical job. You know, particularly when I was running my, my small distillery and I didn't have a team beneath me. I was I was the person who was doing everything from setting the still up to cleaning the distillery down at the end of the day to shipping goods to receiving goods. And it's there's a real element of logistics. It's not sexy. It's not fun. But there's a real element of logistics and organization that's involved. And doing a PhD or research project, you learn so many skills that are just, you know, it's not the pure science. I'm not using the science I, I researched into in my PhD, but all the skills I learned running and running a research project, um, managing my own um, experiments and my own results and my own analysis really put me in a 
really strong position to uh, run a distillery and to run run an operation. Um, so, and I think it also gave me the confidence as well because you you do something like a PhD, you come out with the confidence that you can really face anything. Yeah, I I always insist on, um, you know, tertiary education for for any roles that that I'm um, recruiting for. And I think sometimes as a student and then as a graduate, you sometimes take your education for granted. And I remember um, actually when I was at um, Iron Brew, um, as my first role and I'd handed my notice because I was I was going to work for um, the university and my boss said you know we need to get the right person in to to replace you and I flippantly said oh you know anybody could could do this role it doesn't have to be a graduate and he said mm. he said you are taking your your education for granted here and and I thought about it and he was absolutely correct because there there's a discipline that you learn Now you might not think it now, but there is a discipline that you learn um, at at college, at university. Where you you do have to manage your own time, you, you do have to prioritize what's important and and also investigative techniques so actually getting to the root cause of a problem is one of the main things that you're learning at university and also constantly questioning you know, why why is this the way it is and and debating and and wow are those skills that you you're really going to need when you get into the workplace because that is what you do every day it's all about why does this happen and negotiating and debating with colleagues over the best way forward to tackle a problem. I mean, that is that is mostly my role, actually, is problem solving. So we've got too much whiskey. We've got too little whiskey. Um, it's not the right flavour. You know, whatever it might be, um, I, I'm constantly, every day, um, solving problems. And I love it. You know, that that's that's why I'm here is to is to solve the problems so that we can take our our products um, more effectively to the markets and to our consumers. Um, so yes, absolutely. You know, a college education, a degree, a PhD is exactly what you need um, in industry. Thank you very much. So Anne and Stephanie, before we go into the more fun questions, honors wrote them, so I'm just kidding. But um, we wanted to find out a little bit more of what can we expect to see um, in the gin world? Um, what's trending? I mean, Bramble's been great. It's a, it's a hit over here on campus. And um, with Doors, I mean, Caribbean Smooth is amazing. It's my personal favorite. Others have other favorites um, when it comes to Doors. So can you just give us a little bit of an insider scoop? We won't tell anyone, we promise, uh, but it's for our own uh, personal knowledge here. Yeah, I mean, certainly I, one of the great things about working for a brand like Bombay Sapphire is it's, you know, we're all about creativity. We've got this beautiful gin, Bombay Sapphire, which is this 
sort of almost a canvas that we can play with. You know, we've got strong DNA running through it. So what you're hopefully going to see coming out from us is, yes, we're going to explore more in the flavor at Flavor World. You know, flavored gins are really strong in Europe at the moment. I know that the Bramble is, is, is doing well over in the States. So hopefully you'll, you'll look to see uh, more versions of, of, of flavored gins but also um, really playing with the idea of vapor infusion. So Bombay Sapphire is a vapor infusion. It's a very specific way of distilling, and it allows us to get particular flavor notes out of our botanicals that you wouldn't otherwise get. Um, so we really want to start to showcase that more and start to play with some of the processes involved, and the uh, as well as heroing the beautiful botanicals we use, really sort of, showcasing to the world what vapor infusion can do for it for, for a gin and and when you say vapor infusion you mean that the actual botanicals never touch the alcohol correct yes so the sort of there's two main ways of making gin steep and boil where you put the botanicals into the pot still with spirit and water and heat them up um it's almost like boiling a mash in, in whiskey making but that there's also vapor infusion, and that's what we do. We put the spirit and the water into the body of the still, and the botanicals are held down the line arm in baskets. So all the alcohol vapor passes through the botanicals, picking up the flavors, um, but they, they don't get boiled up in the liquid during the process. So you get a sort of more natural, brighter expression of the of the botanicals that are in the gin. Beautiful. Stephanie, enlighten us. Um, well, there's going to be more um, on the, the Jures 8 cask series. So we started with Caribbean. We then moved to um, Illegal Mezcal casks. Um, then we had Portuguese smooth, Japanese smooth, uh, where we use uh, Japanese Mizanara oak casks. Um, and just recently we launched Calvados smooth so that's where the Jewers 8 goes into Calvados casks. So there's going to be more on that. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not allowed to say what it is. Um, I'll, I'll get into trouble from the brand team. Um, but, you know, I do the, the blends. So a blend is, a, is um, malt whiskey and grain whiskey blended together. But I also do the single malts. So that's, uh, we have five single malt distilleries. Um, dotted all over Scotland. And so I'm responsible for um, bringing out new expressions as well as maintaining the core range um, for our single malts. So we've got um, we've got big plans for Aberfeldy, as we always do, but we've got quite an exciting, hopefully, partnership coming up with that. And, and that partnership um, with a wine producer I can't say anymore at the moment, came about as a result of a chance um, discussion with, with one of our tour guides at the distillery who had been talking to a guy who is also a follower I've got on Instagram. And I reached out to him and we got talking. And, and so, you know, hopefully we're going to have a new product out of it. So, so, you know, I can't say enough actually for networking. Um, another point is, you know, um, try and make your network as broad as you possibly can because you just never know where an opportunity is going to come from. But um, so we're exploring different types of wood. I was talking about Mizanara casks. 
Um, we're also looking at um, different, different oak from different growing regions in the world. And we're also looking at wood that isn't oak. So in Scotch whiskey, it's got to be oak that we use to mature our whiskey. But we're being little devils and we are trying out other types of wood to see what impact it has on the whiskey. Um, and, and I suppose um, we're looking at to say, well, this is why we use oak, because if we put it in another type of, of wood, it doesn't taste like whiskey. But, you know, we might get a, a real surprise and it might inform, you know, our knowledge of wood. And, and that is something that is really important to us. Because, you know, the oak cask is, is so important to the flavour of, of Scotch whisky. So, yeah, there, there's lots going on. Um, we are incredibly busy at the moment, but I'm, you know, I'm just so glad that we are because it means that people are, are loving whisky and they're loving um, our Bombay Sapphire Gin as well. Yes, thank you. I'm still enjoying your double double, by the way. Oh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so here it goes, Ava. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So, Anne, you're first. If you were a cocktail, what would that cocktail be? So I always find this a terrifying question to answer. Um, but I have uh, gone out to some very dear friends of mine and asked their opinion. Um, and one of them came back with a, a, an answer that I'm, I can't take credit for, but I'm stealing it. She says that I think, uh, she thinks that I'm a tuxedo, a tuxedo number two in particular, because it's a riff on a classic martini, but it uses sherry. And she says that I'm more than classic, but I can be a little nutty and I clean up nicely. There you go. Stephanie? Um, yeah, I'm 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 terrible at making cocktails actually. Um and so the one that I'll have to go for is the is the simplest one that I can that I can manage without messing up. And that's a Mamie Taylor. Um and I'm not gonna say why I'm I'm like that, but it, it's the only because <laughs> I can't think of a, an answer, but it's the it's the the cocktail that I've managed to to get my my whiskey hating friends um to drink whiskey because they're all saying no we don't like whiskey it's too strong and it's this it's that so I gave them this cocktail one night and it's um Dewar's 12 with either ginger ale or ginger beer lots of ice a squeeze of lime juice and then a lime wedge and it's a really refreshing way to enjoy um whiskey and and all of your friends or, or people you know watching that don't like whiskey or say they don't like whiskey, um, if you try this, you'll you will love it. Um, so so that that's the cocktail I would be um, if I was a cocktail. <laughs> awesome! Thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, if you could have a drink with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? And we're starting with you. Awesome. Um, so. You know, this is a this is a, a an answer, a question that my answer changes to 
all the time. You know, if you'd have asked me this question back in uh, February, March this year, we were in the middle of one of the longest lockdowns we had here in the UK. So I would probably would have said my sister and my family, you know, if we could have been in the same room and enjoyed a drink, definitely. But we're, we're through that, that terrible time now. And I've been allowed to do that since then. So currently, I, I think I'd have to say Amanda Gorman. Um, you know, I think I really, um, being part of Bombay Sapphire, I get to sort of interact with a lot of very creative people. I always see myself as much more of a scientist than a creative, although I have to be creative when I'm making my, my liquids. And I'm also terrible with words. You know, I, I grew up writing scientific papers, so everything's very factual and everything's very, there are lots of formulas everywhere. I'm much better with a page full of numbers than, than words. And there's something about what she does with words and the way she creates poetry that I would just love to sit and talk to her, understand her creative process and really just, just try and, yeah, just try and, learn something from her in the way she uses words and her language but also on the on the other side I do follow her on Instagram and she looks like a lot of fun so I also think she should be quite cool to have a drink with yeah probably that um a similar answer I was asked this um during lockdown and I was like well anybody you know just another person outside of my family at the moment um <laughs> Because, you know, we were in lockdown with my, my husband and my two children, who I love dearly. But, um, you know, I was just wanting to be in a place where there was people that I didn't know. Um, that, that was really good enough for me at the time. But, yes, I've always wanted to, to share a jurors with um, our, our first master blender, actually, AJ Cameron. Um, because I'd love to to get his opinion on um, what he thinks of jurors now, because people always ask me, um, you know, how do you think jurors has changed from when it was first released um, at the start of the 20th century? And I said, well, I have absolutely no idea um, because we don't have samples from then. Um, but all I can say is that we we definitely stuck to the recipe. Um, so I, I would love to to get his thoughts on, you know, what we're doing and what our plans are for the future. And also Tommy Dewar. So there's two brothers, um, John Dewar and Tommy Dewar. And Tommy was the kind of marketing guy. And he was the one that went round the world and opened up new markets for Dewar's. And and he was so innovative um, with, you know, he was like one of the first people to have a moving advert um, that he posted on the side of a, a building in New York. Um, so I think he would be a tremendous laugh to to have a dram with. Um, so so that that's really who I'd like to share a drink with. Awesome. Thank you so much for those answers. And thank you for, you know, going along with our really fun questions. Uh, but now we'd like to open questions up to any students. Uh, hi, how are you? Um, so I just wanted to ask um, uh, Stephanie, what's a local like culinary food that's good with the whiskey, like locally? Locally, ah, right. Well, um, have you heard of haggis? No, I don't think so. No. Well, um, haggis is 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 a traditional Scottish food, and 
it, it's kind of a mix of of different things. Um, so spices, bits of meat, cuts of of the animal, but you can also get it in vegetarian form, which tastes just as nice. In fact, I think if not nicer. So haggis goes really well with with Scotch whiskey, um, but also surprising things that you might not have thought of chocolate so chocolate goes really well with whiskey and I often think it's they're very similar because you know they both melt in the mouth very evenly releasing the flavor gradually and provided you get a good quality chocolate um, and a great quality whiskey then the two are just a match made in heaven so I would I would recommend if you haven't tried that you should try pairing um, you know, Aberfeldy with a dark chocolate. And in fact, at our distillery, we do tours. If you, you know, when you get to travel and, and come to Scotland, come and visit Aberfeldy and, and do our chocolate and whiskey pairing. It's really, it's amazing. And I had the, the, the terrible job of having to choose the chocolate to go with the whiskey. You know, I get all the rotten jobs to do. It was it was really <laughs> awful. <laughs> and obviously steak, it goes really well with steak and everything really is, is very versatile whiskey. Thank you. I'll try to make my own haggis, but it probably won't be good. Yeah, but thank yeah, you. Yeah. I, have a, I have a doers right next. Hi, my name is uh, Chef Natalie Garcia. It's a pleasure to get to uh, learn so much from you industry leaders. And I want to thank FIU and Bacardi for bringing this opportunity because it's just an amazing experience being on the forefront of what's going on in the beverage industry. Um, can you explain a little bit of the differences between what a master blender does versus what a master distiller does? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, the, the main difference is um, really, you know, whiskey's an age spirit and uh, gin's not an age spirit. So a gin, gin has a master distiller because really the, the magic comes in through the distillation process and we make the, the flavours put in by the botanical recipe that we put into the still at the beginning. And I would say, and Stephanie might disagree with me, so <laughs> see what she says, but um, for whiskey, the, the magic comes in after ageing with the blending and that's, that's where you have the control of the flavour. I don't know whether you agree with me, Stephanie, or... <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people actually call me master distiller. And uh, because we do, in the whiskey industry, we do have master distillers and master blenders. And master distillers are usually um, associated with the distilling process. So at our distilleries, um, you know, we're, we're creating different distillates, um, which after their age aged form the blend but I'm also interested in the spirit at our distilleries because obviously the the spirit the base spirit has a has a, a real effect on on the blend when it's aged for a minimum of three years so um so yes I'm I'm mostly to do with the the back end so I'm like the the last person in the relay race, sprinting home uh, with the baton um, after everyone has done all the work behind me, 
I kind of take all the glory at, at the very end. Um, but but whiskey is all about um, almost generations of people that have distilled the whiskey, filled it into cask, and then we take it out of the cask. Maybe three years later, it might be 12 years later, it might be 50 years later. So, so the time scale between my role and an Anne's role can be years apart. Um, so, so that's where there, there is a, a, a big difference between the two roles because we don't tend to use um, new make spirit before it's been matured. Um, but that's a, a great question. Very insightful. Thank you. Great. Great. Thank you very much. We're going to have to go ahead and see the students that have put questions in the chats. I see everyone that's raising their hand as well. Let me go ahead and, Martin, can you scroll down? I believe that Jamie Mandeville had a question. She happens to be one of our favorites. All right, Jamie, you asked, you are both, or you commented and asked, you are both highly educated from formal education to on the job. Is there anything that you would do at the level you're at to continue your own education? If so, in which areas are you focusing on growth? Anne, would you like to start off? Yeah, sure. So um, I think that's one of the things. I don't think education is ever finished. I think you're always learning. So um, I will always be doing something to either increase my knowledge of the spirits world outside of gin or increase my knowledge on consumer trends or something that's going on in an industry right now or new technologies. So the sort of main areas that I'm looking at the moment is really understanding sustainability from a te technological point of view. You know, there was a big challenge for the world right now is to um, drive towards net zero production and net zero practices. And it, it's not an easy, it's not going to be an easy solution. And so I'm having to do a lot of sort of try and educate myself about technologies that are out there, technologies that might be coming down the line, what's actually green what's green washing and really start to understand that so that's that's a big area and then on the other side of things it's more things like some of the soft skills that I definitely didn't learn I haven't learned necessarily along the way in my in my career um, so leadership skills and developing the sort of uh, that that side of things so that I can grow as a leader in the industry and as a leader in Bacardi because um, I think that's really important. And for me, because I'm very used to book learning, the going out and learning about technologies is easier, but the soft skills is actually more of a challenge for me. So that's a, a real area of focus for me. Yeah, you know, it's it's good to to pick up a book and and just read, um, you know, either something that has to do with your your field or something that's maybe related to it because you know you know at the moment I'm reading um got it with me, whiskey women uh because I'm always getting asked questions about um you know is is whiskey is women and whiskey a new thing and I'm like well uh no it's not <laughs> it's been there for a while um but at the moment I'm 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 trying to learn more about wine because we have got a series of whiskies that are are finished in different types of wine casks, so I'm I'm trying to learn how to first of all pronounce um, some of the great varieties and some of the regions um, in France, but also understanding 
you know, what it is about wine that, that makes it work so well with whiskey or indeed are there, there wines that maybe I should steer clear of. So, so that's an important part for me. Um, but again, as Anne was saying, that the soft skills, um, I, I don't think you can ever learn enough of that, of, of how to, to work with your team. And sometimes it can be trial and error and, and you can try and avoid the error by, by trying to get some formal, um, formal education on it. Um, you know, Anne and I both do a lot of presentations, a lot of talking to camera. Um, and so, you know, there's been a lot of, of presentation skills, workshops that I've been on. Um, I've been learning a lot about Zoom, funnily enough. I've been learning a lot about Teams and, um, and lighting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think every, you know, th there's never a, a moment in Bacardi where we just kind of sit back and say, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Uh, because there, there is always something that is either you can see it coming on the horizon or it just lands thump on your desk. And so usually that involves trying to desperately um, learn um, what it means for your process. As Anne was saying, sustainability. So that is something that we're trying to reduce the water that we use at our distilleries. And what I'm wondering is, well, how will that affect our, our flavor profiles of the spirit coming out of our distilleries? And, and so that is something that as an industry, um, we're trying to grapple with, you know, what does that mean for us? Because the quality of our spirit is, is paramount, but also so is you know, the survival of the planet. So we're, we're trying to find these, these compromises and these amazing new technologies that we're hearing about and that we're, we're desperately hoping will be, will be coming our way soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. It's definitely, you know, never stop learning and there's always something more to do. Um, and in the interest of time, we are going to take just one more question from Cindy in the Zoom who has her hand raised. She is the current president of our Bartenders Guild here at FIU. Thank you, Ava, and thank you both for being here today. Um, thank you, Stephanie, for mentioning the support of equality for men and women in the workplace. I'm personally also a big advocate for that. And also your tip on pairing of chocolate and Aberfeldy um, during a virtual tasting last week and today. Um, I recommend it, guys. It's a, it's a good combination for sure. My question to you is for Dr. Ann Brock. So with adding tuna botanicals to sapphire, my research said that with it was being curated for the new wave of gin-based cocktails. So being softer and more inviting. So my question is, what was the industry's reaction to the introduction of the sapphire and which way do you enjoy your sapphire the best? The industry's reaction, that's, that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. I often talk about how um, when Bombay Sapphire was launched, it was it was launched and the flavor profile was designed just for that, that, um, that reason. But I've never really thought about what the industry's reaction would be to it. I guess the only thing I can do is probably look back at how Bombay Sapphire has done as a product. You know, it's, it's currently the world's number one premium gin. It's the fastest growing gin brand in the world. And that growth started back in 1986 when it was launched. Um, it has become, I think this year, it was the um, 
best-selling uh, gin in, in the world's best bars. So um, I think bartenders love it. Um, and I think the reason they love it is because of that balance profile. You know, when you're going to make a cocktail and you're you're thinking of a particular flavor profile you want your final drink to be, if you're grappling against something, you know, your, your base spirit that isn't balanced, you've got to really compensate for that in the way that you build the drink. Whereas if you've got a beautifully balanced base cocktail then it does the work for you and really you can just build the cocktail the way you want it to you're not having to fight against that base spirit so I think that's what the beauty of Bombay Sapphire really is um and then part of that is obviously down to vapor infusion but um, part of it's down to the the unique recipe that we've got so you know as, as somebody who's come onto the brand and has led it for the last four years I just feel super grateful that I've got this incredible recipe to work with and I just have to to keep making it and hope that I don't don't mess it up <laughs> um in terms of how I how I uh best like my my gin you know again that's something that changes every day and definitely changes throughout the year so I'm currently in a bit of a martini mode so I, I do love my dry martinis but um I was in a bit of a Negroni Negroni season uh, earlier in the summer and um in in the summers I tend to prefer actually much longer drinks so Tom Collins is a is a good favorite of mine we've just launched uh, Bombay Sapphire Premier Crew in the UK as well and that's brought the French 75 back to my notice and I'm really enjoying those as well so um, I, de- I tend to go for the classics because like Stephanie I am terrible at making cocktails myself so um, I have to keep it simple awesome thank you so much like Ava mentioned we are pressed for time so I see that everyone else is still pending questions um, in the chat as well so please Watson, if you can drop the email in, cmogul, C-M-O-G-U-E-L at fiu.edu. Please feel free to go ahead and email us any questions. I'm sure that um, Anne and Stephanie would can find the time to eventually get back to everybody. Um, but it is a lot of questions, Anne and Stephanie, and unfortunately, we will not be able to cover everything. So again, Ava, I think this is the time that we have dreaded. I'll let you take over. Yes, on behalf of all the students and faculty here at the FIU Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management, I just want to thank you both for taking the time out. We really appreciate it. And, you know, through our new beverage track and the Bacardi Center of Excellence um, and through the Bartenders and Wine Guild, we definitely have a lot of guest speaking opportunities and would love to see you both again in the classroom. So, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. No problem. Really enjoyable. Thank you for all, all for coming and for your great questions as well.